All right, so when I was 16, I got my driver's license, as you do. Um, However, this day will ever live in infamy for me because it was not exactly the most exciting day of my life. It was a little bit traumatic. And so I had it all planned out. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday and and I was so excited to get my driver's license. I even bought myself my truck when I was 15. I bought it from the guy who lives across the street from me. And um, when I was driving it home, the, the water pump like didn't just fail, it exploded. And I don't mean like it just shot water out of it. I mean like it went poof. And so it like, my truck was aptly named Sketchy D or the Duke of Sketch, okay? It wasn't so sketchy that it would be the king of sketch, but it still deserved a shot in the royal family. So Sketchy D and I had this, this love-hate relationship because it always fell apart and it was super inconsistent and super unreliable. And I just wanted to drive so bad. So, so the day comes, it's, it's a Friday in August of 2008. And I only remember that because, you know, the math and calendars and the trajectory of the sun. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And so I get up super early and I put on my favorite sweater vest. Oh yeah, we're, we're rocking a sweater vest in this story. Favorite sweater vest because the best time to wear a striped sweater is all the time. And so I put on my favorite sweater, sweater vest and I, and I wake up super early and I get like a nice balanced breakfast because you got to have the food pyramid, right? You want to focus. You want to get all your wheats and your grains and your good fats, you know, avocado, yogurt, that sort of thing. And so I'm like focused. I'm, I'm pumped and ready and loaded for bear. I don't know what that means, um, but my dad always says it. So I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And so we, I, my mom takes me to, it's super cool, right? Your mom takes you to get your driver's license. It's like a real awesome coming of age story. Thanks for letting me use your van, mom. And so I take the test, crush the written test. I get in the, and it's super cool because I'm in my sweater vest and my slip-on vans and my mom's minivan. And I'm just like, I'm a G, it's fine. I keep it 100. And so I'm Honda Odyssey. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I crushed the driving test. And so I'm so excited because I get to go home and I get to drive my truck to school for the first time ever. Now, those of you who do not drive yet or don't have your driver's license yet, you don't know freedom until you take the keys to your very own car. You slot them in the ignition and you fire that bad boy up. Woo! Oh, the open road, I can hear like, born to be wild. You know what I'm saying? Anybody? Just me? Awesome. So I get in Sketchy D. We go to school. And so how many of you go to Central? Anybody in here? Warriors. Nobody? Really? Two? Three? Awesome. They're my people. So you know where the marching band practices out there? That used to be a parking lot, obviously, and we used to actually park there. And so if you were late to school, you had to park, and we called it the back lot. And the back lot was right next to this infamous place called Smoker's Corner, and it was sketchy and dirty and gross and like bad people and things happened there. And so I had to park all the way out there. And guys, it's for real, like a half a mile from the front door of the school. Like not, not that much of an exaggeration. It is a hoof. And so I park out there because I miss most of the morning to take my driver's test. So I go in, I I go to class, I I do all the things and I come out. I'm like, oh, I get to go to lunch. I'm going to go to Burger King, get myself a double Whopper with cheese, no onions, large fry, large Coke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anybody? I got you. Burger King. You can have it your way. Did you know that? They'll do it your way. Brittany just said, stop. <laughs> and so I get in my truck. I start it up. I put it in gear and I let the clutch out and I go and I'm, I'm free. I'm home free. I finally get to get my own lunch. I don't have to mooch on anybody to drive me to lunch anymore. And Sketchy D, the Duke of Sketch, decided to strike right in that moment. And my truck coughed and sputtered and died in the middle of the road, blocking the whole back parking lot from getting out to go to lunch. 
like the whole back parking lot, not just like there were like 10 cars. It was like solid 50 to 60, just all blocked up there, real mad at me. And so I'm like, I don't really know what to do. So I get out of the truck and I'm like, okay. Um, Oh gosh. And so I'm starting to panic. I like try everything. I get in, I'm like turned in the key and like pumping the gas. Nothing's working. I, I try, I try talking to it nice. I'm like, yeah, that's a good truck. Come on, Sketchy D, you can do it. And then I try yelling, like, Sketchy D, you don't do this to me right now. And I tried hitting it and I tried apologizing to it. And it was this big whole mess. And, and so finally I'm like, I get out and I open the hood and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what a, I, I'm 16. I don't know anything about cars. I knew that it goes forward and backwards in sequential order. Like, that's, that's what I'm working with. So I open the hood. I'm like, that, I guess that's an engine. There's battery. Um, and so I'm like, for real panicking. Like, it's August, and I'm in a sweater vest. Yeah, we're, that's where we are. Have you ever worn slip-on vans? They don't breathe. Nope. You get wet and you get sweaty in those shoes. And so it comes time where I have to push this truck out of the way. And so I, I get it, and it's really heavy. It's a truck, and it's not running. <laughs> and I'm by myself. And at this point, there is a large crowd of people circled around just watching. Just watching. Nobody's helping. Everybody's just staring at Sean, struggling, getting real sweaty, getting real upset. And so finally, I can't do it. I can't push it. Like, it's just, I just give up. And I finally, like, I just get in my truck and, like, set my head against the steering wheel. Like, well. <laughs> and I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, I don't know what's going on with my truck. And he's like, my dad's a nurse, and so he can't really leave work. And so it's it was a whole thing. But anyway, so I'm, like, I'm sitting there just defeated, like tears in my eyes, lump in my throat, and nobody will help me. Like nobody. Everybody's just like mad and flipping me off and like cussing at me and not helping at all. And so I, like, I'm sitting there depressed, and I look up, and I see this guy, this guy coming from Smoker's Corner towards me. And he's this like big dude. I actually knew him from middle school. We, had, like, we shared a locker, and his name is Zach. But he like stood a foot taller than me, and he was like big dude and he was like one of those scary goth guys you know what I'm talking about with like the big big camo pants like not normal camo pants but like you could hide another person in there and he's got like a black denim vest with spikes on the shoulders he's like big boots I didn't know they made boots with heels that thick but the, here he was he's got a mohawk and like the eye shot the whole nine yards like scary goth dude also known for may or may not beating up people all the time and so he's walking straight towards me. And I was like, great, now I get a, now I get a die also. That's awesome. So uh, this guy's going to beat me up, and it's just going to be the worst day of my life ever. And here we are. So what happens next, like, still to this day, bewilders me. So he comes up, and he knocks on the window, and I like, yeah, so we didn't have, I didn't have a push button like this. I paid 500 bucks for this truck. No paint, dents, every, anyway. So I roll it down, squeak, 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 squeak. And he's like, looks me dead in the eye and he goes, hey man, are you all right? Now, some of you know this, but I am a crier. <laughs> like I cry a lot at dumb things. Like the other day we were watching the show. I don't even remember what it was, but I could not stop crying at it. And my wife is just laughing at me. And I'm just like, <laughs> but anyway, he's like, are you okay? And I just like start weeping. Just, no, I'm not okay. My truck was sorry. I can't push it. I'm too weak. I'm all sweaty. My sweater vest is ruined. 
For real though, I never wore that sweater vest again. It was like saturated. <laughs> um, that's too much information. I'm really sorry, everybody. But anyway, so like the least likely person ever to, to help me came out of nowhere and helped me. And, and, and I've, there's a story in the Bible I want to talk about tonight. And it's, it's in Luke and, and it's called the parable of the good Samaritan. Now everybody say parable. A parable is a made up story that is used to illustrate truth. So the truth of this story is what I want us to get. And there's two spots in our lives where I want us to really grasp this concept, this truth. And Jesus tells us this story. So we're going to pick it up in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. Just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? And the religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, and all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. I also think it's funny that like, he's like wanting to test Jesus' doctrine, like the guy who wrote the doctrine. Anyway, um, so... Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? And Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Now, imagine you're walking down North Avenue, and like over in the Big Lots parking lot, there's just like a half dead, all naked guy. Pretty shocking, right? You would think that you would maybe do something about that, right? But continuing on, soon a Jewish, a Jewish priest walking down the road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. And I don't exactly blame the guy. Like, am I the only one? I don't have a blanket. And if I give him my shirt, now we're both naked. That's weird. And so I, it might not be right, but I understand it. Does that make sense? Like, it might not be right, but I understand it. I understand why the priest crossed the street. And I would probably think something like, somebody else will help. Somebody else will get involved. Somebody else will do something. But I think that's a lie we buy into too often, right? I, I think that's a lie that the enemy feeds us that I don't have to do something because somebody else will. But if he's lying to me about that, then he's lying to everybody about that. And if I don't do something, what happens to the guy? He just dies, right? He just dies. Although we walk away from hurt and pain sometimes, the enemy doesn't. In fact, he wants it to go as long and, as, and last as long and, and be as miserable as possible. But let's check out what, what happens next. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Bad luck. <laughs> Strike two, right? And so you never know who the last person to walk by will be before they're too far gone. But Jesus uses the most unlikely person to stop and help. Finally, another man, a Samaritan. And so a Samaritan is a person from Samaria. And culturally, they were considered to be like a half-breed. And so the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the Jews, just as like they hated each other a bunch. So in society at the time, what this Samaritan was about to do was not only crazy, but was hugely opposed. Neither side of this fight would have been okay with what transpired because prejudice got in the way. 
Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds and disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. You know, just like the enemy never leaves hurt and pain alone, neither does Jesus. You know, the enemy might want our pain and our hurt to go deeper and deeper, but Jesus wants to heal every hurt and he will use the least likely person to do that. And sometimes in order for us, or in order for Jesus to do his healing work, we need to find ourselves in a position of serving because Jesus uses us, the the least likely to help. And that's our first point I want to talk about, which is stay on your path. Everybody say, stay on your path. Stay on your path. Keep your eyes open for that opportunity. Just stay on your path. God has a path and a purpose for every single one of us, right? Every single one of us has our own path and our own purpose. And if we stay on that, God will present an opportunity to come and help. Just like the Good Samaritan, it will likely be in front of you. I mean, if we stray from our path and go check on somebody else's, we're going to miss that opportunity. We're going to miss that potential blessing to bless somebody else, to help somebody else, to serve someone else. The Samaritan didn't go out of his way to serve and help the injured man, right? It says that he was wandering down the, or going down the road and ran into him. Everybody else had to get out of the way to not help him. If we stay on our path, the opportunity to serve someone and help someone will present itself. Now, all throughout the book of Luke, we see Jesus encounter and serve people who were the least likely to receive his help. And just like in the story of the Samaritan, where he rescued a Jew from death, two races that hated each other a lot, the least likely person to help, Jesus helps people who are outside of his circle, right? Outside of his social boundaries, outside of what the world says that he should be doing. I mean, I, we sh- you wouldn't think that Jesus would run around with non-church people, right? You would think he'd just be like all about hanging out with like people in the church and it would be super cool. I mean, that's how we treat this concept today, right? We help those who help us. We love those who love us. Love us and, and sometimes we don't even do that. And, and it's not, you know, everybody does it. it it's not, there's grace for that. But we, we all kind of end up doing that. We don't help people who are not inside our circle. And so Matthew 5, 46 through 47 says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Basically, it's saying like, don't even lost people do that? Don't even evil people help the people who love them? Don't even evil people only help people who help them? God calls us to live counterculturally. The, the whole kingdom of God is, is kind of upside down from what the world says to do. And so Jesus goes out into the world where people who would never be in the church with him or would never be at the same place as he would be or would never be at the same social gatherings would be. And he puts all of the social expectations aside and he treats them with honor and dignity time and time again. All throughout the gospels, Jesus, we find Jesus with sinners, with, with lepers and with prostitutes the worst of the worst, and Jesus is right there among them. Now, I'm not saying we need to go looking for prostitutes and drug dealers. We're not gonna put ourselves in an unsafe situation, obviously. And, and that's why I think it's important that the distinction is we stay on our path. Somebody will cross into your path, and that's your opportunity. 
God brought that person there so that you can serve them, so you can be the blessing to them. I mean, how many times are we confronted with someone in our path that desperately needs our help and we cross the street? We've all done it, right? I've done it. You know, I just don't, I don't feel like I have time to mess with that right now. I don't feel like I have the resources or the money to get going on that. And so I'm just gonna cross the street and not deal with that person. And sometimes the person in your path will be your enemy. Not Satan, not the powers of hell, but someone you would consider to be your enemy. Someone who would, you would consider that you don't really like that much or maybe is bullying you. And God puts them in your path so that you can change them. Not so that you can be bullied by them, but so you can pray for them. So that you can minister to them. So that you can change the status quo about that. Because the truth is hurt people hurt people. When somebody's hurting you, they're likely bleeding on the inside. They're, they're much like that Jew, bleeding on the side of the road, left for dead. And the only way they know how to deal with it is to lash out. You know, we don't know what somebody's home life is like. We don't know what they've been through. And so when God puts us in that situation, pray for your enemies. Jesus calls us to pray for those who persecute us and our enemies. Because Jesus wants to heal that hurt. He wants to cause all things to work together for good and be right in the middle of pain and abandonment where the enemy tried to leverage prejudice and social boundaries. Jesus meant to use the least likely person to scoff in the face of the enemy, right? You guys are in high school and a lot of the times you guys get kind of discounted and discredited like, oh, you're just kids, but you're not. Like you, you can change the world. There, are, there is somebody in this room who will change the world and, it, and it's realized through service. It's realized through a position of serving. When you put yourself in that role, you're gonna figure out what God made you to do. But let's jump back into the story. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his own wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me, this is Jesus, which one of these three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? And the religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. And Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. He didn't he stayed on his path. He kept going. He kept doing what he was doing. It wasn't that inconvenient for him to, to sacrifice his money and his time to get this man to help. Not only did the, he help the Jewish man, but he went above and beyond. He showed us what our second point is, and that is to lay down your life. Everybody say, lay down your life. It's really easy to remember them. Stay and lay. They rhyme. So when you come up on that opportunity, lay down your life in that moment. Put your agenda aside. It will be okay if you're late because you're helping someone. I guarantee it. If, if I put myself in, that, in, in those shoes of a parent and my daughter came home late and I'm like, where were you? She's like, there was somebody on the side of the road and they needed my help. I'd be like, awesome, cool, great excuse. I'm just saying, I would, I would be hard pressed to think that somebody would be mad at you for helping a single mother or a homeless person. But the Bible tells us that the two most important commandments are love God and love people. And we serve those who we love. So if we are called to love God, we shall serve him. And if through serving him, we are called to love his kids, love his people, we will serve them too. Amen? Often we hear the term servant and we think of it as a lowly term, right? We kind of associate it with like slave or like I have to serve somebody. And, and, it, and it's usually a term that we use to like put somebody below us. 
And, and, and so, like, oh, I have to be a slave. I have to put others before myself. But, but how do I get what I need in that moment? And, and that's our culture, right? It's just take what you need. That's, you get what you deserve, you know? But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 20. But Jesus called, to the, uh, called them to him and said, you know that r- the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. That's us, the disciples. It shall not be that way among us. But whoever would be great among you would be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And in order to be a leader, in order to be successful in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a servant. I want to highlight a little bit of the story again. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds and disinfecting them with wine. So when I first read that, I was like, that's kind of weird, right? First of all, he's on a road trip and he's got wine. Seems sketchy. And, he's, and it's like the middle of the day. And, it, and, and honestly, it's just like the last thing you would think about to pour into somebody's wound. I'm like, oh no, I've got a cut. Where's the wine? You know, that gives a new, new meaning to alcohol pads, right? <laughs> um, but, but he pours wine in the wound. And as, and as I was I was reading this and praying through this. I felt like God spoke to me about communion and reminded me of that passage in Luke 22. And it says, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus told us that his blood represented by wine would heal all things, would heal all wounds, would heal all sins. And so when he poured wine into this man's wounds, he was pouring the love of Christ. He's pouring the blood of Christ straight into his wounds. He was pouring pure healing. And so when we show the love of Christ, we're not only, uh, I was gonna say preaching, we're not only serving from a place of being saved, but we're serving from a place of pouring out pure healing because we are pouring out the blood of Christ, the love of Christ, when we serve others, when we put others before ourselves, when we act like the Good Samaritan. That's why this is so important. That's why I wanted to bring this word to you guys is that it's so important to serve others because that is how they know Jesus loves them. As you pour the blood of Christ into their wounds. So what is going on right now, right in front of you, right where you're at in your world? Obviously, I'm preaching in front of you. That's not a good example. But in your day-to-day life, because serving is not about looking for the big moments in life. It's about small moments of obedience. It's about staying on your path and being obedient and laying down your life in that moment. I think a lot of the time we get hung up on helping someone because of what it will cost us. What does it mean to sacrifice? You know, what is, that's too self-sacrificial, which by the way, I don't like that term. I think that's a dumb term because we were never our own anyway. It can't be a self-sacrifice because if we put self in front of it, we're making it about us. And then it's no longer a sacrifice. Then it's giving to get. Then we're pouring out because we want to be poured into. And that's not a sacrifice. God wants us to pour out from a place of sacrifice that already happened for us. Jesus died on the cross and sacrificed everything so that we may know peace, we may know freedom, and we may know mercy 
just like the Good Samaritan showed us. Jesus said, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. That doesn't make sense, right? If I want to keep my life, I have to lose it. If I want to lose my life, I have to keep it. I have to try to preserve it. And that's, that's where I'm talking about the, the kingdom of God is not, is not how the world says it is. You know, the world says it is put yourself first. Do stuff for you. Get yours. And Jesus says, put me first. Put me first. Put others first. Serve me. Because if the king of kings bowed down low to make sure that his kids felt loved, so should we right? We are made in his image and his likeness. And if he's a servant, so are we. If he's loving, so are we. If he's pouring out his blood to heal wounds, so do we. You know, earlier I talked about how one of you in here, uh, many of you in here will change the world. And I believe that's because potential is realized through serving. Potential is realized through serving. There's somebody in here, the cure for cancer could be in this very room. And if they never volunteered at a nursing home helping someone with cancer who can't do things for themselves, then never know. Because when we're put in that moment of compassion, when we're put in that moment of serving, when we're put in that moment of having to put somebody else's needs before ours, God shows us our purpose and our passion. And guys, that moment is so sweet. That blessing, that, that ability to realize that God's path for you is service, oh man, it is so freeing because it, it takes the pressure off of you because it's not about you, right? It's about other people. It's about what God wants to do. Love God and love people. Stay on your path and lay down your life. I read a quote once that says, if you really want to live, drape a serving towel over your arm. If you really want to live, put yourself in situations where you have to serve someone else, where, you, where, where someone else needs your help. And, and again, it's, it's not about us, but man, that moment's so cool. That moment's so sweet when, our, when we realize our potential and our purpose because we were obedient to God. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, how do we apply all of this? What is, that's, all, that's all well and great, Sean. You, you said a lot of crazy things. Um, but how do we apply this in our day-to-day life? Well, I've been doing something recently in my life, and I'm calling it a serving challenge. And, and it's going really awesome for me. It's, it's showing me a lot of awesome perspective on myself and on what God wants to do in my life. And so basically what it is, is every time I feel like I need to serve myself, or I need to do something for myself, or I'm met with temptation, or I'm met with a craving that's not necessarily good, I get up and I go serve someone. I take myself out of that position and I go and I help someone else. And, and for me, that looks like helping my daughter or helping my wife or, or coming here to the church and doing something. But I really wanna challenge you guys in, in leaving here and in, in going out into the world and, and doing this serving challenge of every time you feel like, uh, I, just, I really just wanna do something for myself or like, I don't want to do what I have to do or, or whatever it is, it's, if it's temptation or a sin, take yourself out of that moment and go serve someone. You know, it, it, if you can jar yourself out of that moment of temptation to go help someone, you're gonna overcome that sin pattern super quickly. I wanna challenge you 
to live a good Samaritan lifestyle, to live a lifestyle of serving. Stay on your path, lay down your life and serve someone else. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much and we thank you for this time together. God, I pray that you would bless every student in here, God, with the ability to serve, with the ability to see the heart behind serving, to the ability to see why you want them to go forth into the world and serve. God, and that their potential would be realized through that moment. God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to not cross the street, but to stay on their path. God, that they would stay on their path. They wouldn't worry about their friend's paths or what's going on in, in somebody else's life, but to focus on you, run their race, stay, their eyes drawn to you. And when that moment comes, I pray that they would lay down their life and realize that that sacrifice is the greatest gift that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.